Welcome, dear listeners, to the CSM Live Future Of series, where we aim to navigate the murky world of what the future may hold. And let's be honest, murky is putting it lightly. We try and reveal the real insights, those hidden gems waiting to be polished, and share, quite frankly, a few laughs along the way. Absolutely delighted to welcome our guest today, Mario Coletti, Managing Director of Next Atlas, which has taken trend prediction to the next level, using AI to spot cultural movements and shifts in the world of retail and beyond. Now, Mario, this sounds very minority report. Tell us, what is Next Atlas? Hi. <laughs> so, thank you very much. First of all, a very good uh, day to you and uh, to the rest of the audience. And very pleased to be here with you today. Um, well, um, it's uh, it may sound minority report. Uh, it is actually uh, looking at uh, what's happening in the open space, uh, where the open space is not a, a big square like Trafalgar Square. The open space is the social media space that all of us use every day in different way or forms. So uh, we are. Uh, SaaS business, so software as a service business, that have developed um, an artificial intelligence platform that is basically an observatory of what uh, kind of public data are appearing in uh, social media across different uh, platforms. And um, what we analyze is what are the kind of things that are different from mass and what are the kind of things that are different from mainstream so that we can identify and spot things that uh, may tomorrow emerge as a new trend. And a trend could be a new consumer behavior in terms of interest on a product, interest on a style of um, fashion, can be an interest on new tastes, uh, food and beverages, uh, or can be uh, a new trend in uh, beauty and care. It doesn't matter as long as it's something that is uh, of interest and is related to consumers. Okay, so you mentioned that you're using social media to garner this information and data. What types of social media? Are you, for example, using influences or keywords or, or how, how does that come about? So we have developed a methodology that uh, um, basically analyzes a number of different uh, social media platforms and the public data that are coming out of those platforms. And those platforms are typically Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest, Reddit and a few others. And what the methodology uh, does is starting analyzing um, either words or images that start to have a, a frequency of uh, repetition mm -hmm. appearing more frequently in social media uh, as an image or as a word. And when this happens, basically the um, platform starts monitoring where this is happening and how is this happening. Um, so we can identify eventually what are the sources uh, where the uh, this kind of traits of uh, um, of signals uh, of words and images are coming from, and by doing that, we have developed our own uh, pool uh, of what we call micro influencers, and these micro influencers, and there are about four hundred thousand of them at global level, are people that we constantly 
uh, monitor and listen to through social media to analyze what they are saying, what they are talking about. And these have been divided by industry depending on their level of interest. And there are a number of criteria to identify those influencers. So we um, spot or identify the influencers based on their consistency of the subject they are talking about, the frequency uh, of talking about the subject, and their popularity. Um, so if consistently are talking about coffee, I make, a, I make a, as an example, um, and so the main kind of subject related to um, their posts is either through images or words related to coffee, this is what uh, the, the platform captures. Um, if the frequency is at a high level, we consider high level 30 to 50 posts every three months. Mm -hmm. um, it means that obviously they are highly uh, engaged into that specific kind of subject. And if they have a popularity, i.e. they have a number of followers which goes between the round, around the, the thousand to the five thousand, mm -hmm. we think they are micro-influencers. So they have a, a pool of uh, people that are following them uh, and potentially get advice from them. So um, they are genuinely talking to these people and engaging with these people without being the traditional influencers, which are usually sponsored by brands mm -hmm. to talk about what they want to talk about. And that's um, and, and this uh, pool of 400,000 uh, people we follow is very dynamic, is constantly monitored. So people get in and out depending on the threshold of the consistency, frequency and popularity that they maintain within the social media space. Brilliant. So there's, there's, hope to, there's hope for me yet still posting about my cats. Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. You can actually, uh, as long as you are very, yeah, keep, keep the diversity, keep, keep the diversity of, uh, of your conversations. So we, as I said, you know, it's, it's like a big square. We are not interested in the mass and what are mass conversation or general conversation. We are actually interested in the, um, um, the exceptions mm -hmm. uh, and therefore the things that are different from the mass conversation. Uh, and very much are potentially present to future rather than present to past, as the majority of the things we post. Because when we post in social media, mm -hmm. most of the things we post are about present and past. Mm -hmm. I had a wonderful time with my friends. I went to see a show. I had, I had a holiday. That uh, is not really what we are interested in. Mm -hmm. What we're interested in are, uh, is in people that are talking about you know what what they want to do next mm -hmm. what they are looking for next to, to the next what they think about elements that are appearing as new uh, path or new uh, traits within within the social space Brilliant. Now, now, now you touch then on your kind of micro influences and the level of followers that they they would need to have in order to the amount of times they need to post how do you guarantee the integrity of those micro influences to make sure that their followers really are followers so um, by developing the um, AI platform and the algorithm that we have developed, set up um, high uh, level of security standards. So when eventually G GPRD came on board, mm -hmm. um, we honestly had a, a smile because our standards were already higher than 
what the new legislations and the new regulation were. I mean, I think you, you, you're probably, and that's fantastic, you were probably the only company that did <laughs> smile about GDPR. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the reason why was, first, because we wanted to have very, very high standard in order to protect the integrity mm -hmm. of the data and uh, to um, also to protect our IP and our technology. And actually, GDPR was a good news for us because actually took um, other players off the game and off the market uh, because they were not meeting the standards and they had trouble meeting the standards. And, um, but the integrity of the data is based on the fact that we completely separate what are the uh, information about the individuals to the information about the, um, about the um, content that they publish. And we just only analyze and, and, and look at what the content uh, is and what the conversation are. And uh, by um, analyzing a huge amount of volume of data, inevitably uh, we are cleaning up from what are the fake news, mm -hmm. you know, because um, we are cleaning up from things that are eventually uh, potential hackers or potential things that people want to push into um, in, 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 a, in a way to promote certain ideas or certain concepts or certain brands because usually those are one-off kind of events. Mm -hmm. They are not really consistent events. By analyzing and measuring the consistency, the frequency, and the popularity, and the sentiment within the popularity, we can actually you know, guarantee that uh, we look at the data, which are a set of data that are genuinely coming from consumer minds. Brilliant. So, so give us a taste of, you know, um, next Atlas looks at kind of cultural shifts um, and, and almost predicts trends that will will come up so can you give us can you give us any insight what what's what's happening next <laughs> so uh, before telling you what happened uh, happening what is happening next i'll give you a couple of examples of things that happened in the past fantastic yeah uh, one of the funniest story um was about something that we probably recognize today as a mainstream trend which is avocado on toast Oh, love avocado on toast. So, did you love avocado on toast in 2015? No, I You had didn't. no idea. You had no oh, idea. No, I've been influenced. <laughs> Usually, um, traditional trend reports identify trends when they are already mainstream. Mm -hmm. The platform um, works in a way that because it's identifying the little signs very early and then monitor how those signs are growing, helps us and, uh, and allow us actually to predict what is going to be the future mm -hmm. uh, of trends. And so the avocados on toast story is that uh, actually Next Atlas spotted avocado and uh, avocado on toast in 2000 and, uh, uh, at the beginning of 2016. Wow. And um, then uh, uh, there, was a num there were a number of other elements, um, the avocado on toast, what, how the avocado on toast uh, was going around and was connecting with other ingredients or elements of food, and, um, and then a certain style of people that were interested in avocado on toast. So there was actually a high correlation between a certain eyewear and mm -hmm. avocado on toast. And then um, all that uh, kept going and we kept monitoring and highlighting it. That kind of things was happening uh, over 2000. 16 and 2017 and toward the end of 2017 there was a post by Chiara Ferragni which is a, a, a famous influencer mm -hmm. uh, having millions of followers and being paid millions to actually do the, her work and she posted a picture of herself a selfie wearing that eyewear 
eating an avocado on toast in a location and all those elements of location, avocado on toast and eyewear were actually predicted and identified by Next Atlas with 24 months uh, prediction and uh, 24 months ahead. Another s small story is about millennial socialism, which today is a reality, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, we pu published a trend about millennial socialism uh, in uh, uh, 2000, uh, the beginning of 2018. And in fe February 2019, if you go to check the cover of The Economist, that the cover of The Economist was actually talking about millennial socialism. So this is another example of, you know, one year being one year ahead mm -hmm. of what mass media and, and, and the mainstream trends are talking about. Mm -hmm. In terms of the prediction of the future, um, I want to highlight that we are not futurologists, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and we, uh, we, 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 I like to compare ourselves more to meteorologists rather than futurologists. So meteorologists may give you a big idea or bigger overview of what the weather will be in six months or a year, but that is complete guesswork and with a probably a margin of error which is um, significantly high. Um, our prediction tend to be uh, in the within the uh, six uh, to eighteen months maximum, mm -hmm. and we think that to have a certain prediction, the very much the threshold to to have a high, a low very low level of margin is between six and twelve months, um, and so all our predictions tend to be, and that's why that was working well and was useful for Westfield. Uh, uh, are about consumption trends and elements that uh, will happen in the next uh, 6 to 12 months. And then also we give a view about what will happen uh, in 18, 24 and further. There are many different things that are happening and uh, are clearly visible uh, into, into the media and we know about them. But I think if, if I can just mention few macro trends mm, that do. I think you know will be very important and will need to be watched by um, companies mm -hmm. in terms of the way consumer will behave and think and consume. Um, one is um, the translation or, or uh, transmigration of the concept of sustainability from being a very much premium concept mm -hmm. uh, into becoming very much um, mainstream across all industries. Uh, and therefore, um, the element of sustainability cannot be anymore either a CSR buzzword or something which is related to specific category and need to be a very much actionable mm -hmm. element and actionable point in the agenda of the strategies of, um, uh, of big companies uh, because it will be one of the areas that will uh, ensure credibility of the brand and uh, they will be watched by consumers uh, in a way they will think and decide what is the future brand, what is the brand that I'm going to buy in the future. Another very interesting element of um, you know, future in terms of evolution of BA consumer behavior is that um, the glo global transformation is no longer linear. Uh, so traditionally, global transformation uh, of um, social society, organizations, businesses, infrastructures, and so on, has always been driven by the uh, mature markets, um, countries, and followed by the emerging markets. Uh, and so you could say, you know, big uh, transformation 
in, uh, in society and so on. We'll start from the US, maybe California, and then follow other parts of the US, and, uh, and, and then certain parts of Italy, uh, certain parts of Europe, sorry, and, and so on and so forth within Asia. Now, global transformation will very much happen depending on the vision of different countries and different governments, and also in entrepreneurs within governments. So potentially tomorrow, um, an African country may actually be ahead of the game compared with a European country mm. from a technology, society, infrastructural and economical point of view. Um, even if the same African country maybe five years ago was mm. considered a developed or an underdeveloped market. And so this element of um, scattered global transformation is, is quite interesting. And, uh, and, and the last one uh, is um, an initial trend um, related to the way we live and the need of redesigning the place we live in. Because if you think about uh, Keynes' uh, logic and the way uh, cities have grown and, uh, and all the level, of the way we live and, and places we live have uh, developed in the past you know, 50 or 70 or longer years, uh, was about creating agglomeration of places where people could live, sleep and eat uh, so in order to be in the vicinity of the place they were going to work and they have to go to work. And therefore, the design of the place was actually designed based on you can have a little home because the majority of the time you will spend, you will be spent actually in the working place. Today, with a complete transformation in the way we work, people will uh, obviously have less need to work in their working place. And, uh, and therefore, there is a massive um, amount of over-constructed and over-built cities which are targeted or have been targeting to you know, create office spaces with very tiny houses built around to live. And, and this has to be actually a completely redesigned and rethought for the future. And this will also mean the way people live, the, people, the way people commute, the, the way people shop, where will they shop, how will get to the shopping, and all those elements. Um, so whilst they think and they seem you know, macro trends which are pretty remote from a strategy from a retailer perspective, they are not. They're extremely important because the more the retailers and the brands will be actually providing solutions which are aligned to new way of living of people, the more they will you know, stay within, within, within their consumers and maintain the loyalty of their consumers. Now, now I'm really, really interested in one, all of those trends, because I think they were fantastic trends that we can, we can all see and, and, and very visible. But two, most notably, you know, your last point about kind of restructuring how cities and communities um, need to interact with each other. And I think, you know, particularly at the moment, first half of the year we saw 3,000 uh, retail closures. You have, you know, unfortunate closures of the likes of Karen Millen and Coast and, and most notably, of course, Thomas Cook, which is which has hit, hit the headline with um, compulsory liquidation. So it's looking pretty grim for the high street. How, what next for the high street? How does it need to adapt and shape? It needs to adapt and shape uh, to... Um what consumer do and what consumer want. And that's exactly why and how the concept of the um, Westfield trending store mm -hmm. came up. Because Westfield is at the forefront of providing solutions to retailers 
to actually be successful in their in their business. Um, and they are they have the the how we shop uh, research pr platform, which is basically a platform that. Uh, want to analyze and understand how consumers shop in order to pro provide the best solutions for their retailers. Because ultimately Westfield itself is not a retailer, but provides spaces and solutions for retailers to actually shop and, and be successful in, um, in their stores. Um, and um, if we go back to the point of the way we live and how mm -hmm. people shop, yes, probably there, would need, there is a need of rethinking and redesigning uh, the way High Street and the High Street offer mm -hmm. uh, is coming uh, coming about, and and this is why the concept of the Westfield Village is a concept that attracts people because it provides multiple experiences and multiple solutions. Um, honestly, if I go to Regent Street, I can actually have a long, uncomfortable walk uh, across and and going retailer by retailer without having really clarity about what I want to buy and how I want to buy. And maybe my journey becomes a full and simple destination because I have in mind already what I want to buy and which kind of retailer, mm -hmm. providing that I cannot buy and, re uh, and get the, the purchase online. So what is important is that uh, the, re the retailers think about the design of where they put their shops and how they um, organize their shop uh, in a way that is combining the experience for for the for the shopper between the offline and and the online experience so that the shopper can have a complete view and understanding of uh, what is the offer what is the best offer how they can actually buy and get the best offer um, and and what is the most convenient way to do that retailer retailers are not going to disappear because people will want to have an experience and a tangible touchable physical experience with the product that they are going to buy. But probably the redesign and need to be a completely redesign in the way they manage the stock. Mm -hmm. How much stock they need to have in the specific store. If you, I, I, How many times you have gone to a store wanting to buy a pair of shoes and they say, oh, we are sorry, we don't have this pair of shoes here, but I can check if uh, actually the other store that is yeah. on the other side yeah. of the city have, have that, right? Has happened to any all of us all the time. All the time. Okay, and so I say, okay, fine. Now I try the shoe. I want to buy the shoe. You don't have the shoe here in stock. When I get home, I want to find the the, the box of the shoes in front of my door. Can you do that, retailer? Please. Yes, I can. Fine. Then I will buy it here. Rather than saying, can you wait and give a call to the store that is three blocks away and so on, see if they have the time and so on. Could you actually walk to the next shop only three blocks away? Yeah, yeah? It's, a, it's, a, it's, a pro it's the approach that the retailers need to take, really to uh, combining the offline and the online experience in a way that is convenient and simple and practical for, for the consumer. And how do, you know, you, you touched there about, um, as consumers, we want more than just a kind of retail experience. We want an entertainment experience. We, we, we want something that's more than a traditional store. What, what do stores, what do physical units need to do in order to entice people back in? I think uh, it need to be also divided um, across different categories, mm -hmm. right? But the um, traditional stock 
and pile everything up so that the consumer can grab as much as possible is not an experience. It can be a solution for a destination shopping, but cannot be an, a solution for a browsing shopping. Spaces need to be significantly much more navigatable. People can navigate them, can go around, can actually see the connection between the different articles, the different elements that people can or may be interested in uh, buying and, and wearing or, or consuming. So it is really bringing together the whole sensorial element uh, of uh, experiencing a product. Today, in a, if you go into a shop, barely you have the opportunity to try the product. Uh, in reality, the experience should be to try the product, smell the product, see how the product is connected to other products within the same category or different categories, how this has been actually used uh, by, uh, by others, and therefore having reviews or videos and elements that can see, you know, if I'm buying a pair of shoes in, uh, in, the, sh in the store, how will the color look like if I actually walk in the high street? Mm -hmm. Or if I'm buying a pair of trainers to go run in a forest, how will actually be the feeling of wearing them in real forest when I'm actually trying them in a shop and I don't understand exactly you know, if, if they are the right size or if I like the look or whatever it is. So the experience for, from a retailer perspective and need to, particularly on certain categories, need to go more into a total multisensorial 360 experience of the specific product and, comp and SKUs together with all the other products that may be a collateral to that specific SKU. Brilliant. Now, you put this into practice, didn't you, with Westfield, and you mentioned it earlier, the trending store. Yeah. Tell me about that. Great idea from Westfield to um, show how they can be partners of their retailers and not just only um, you know, a company that provides space. Um, they are really keen to help the retailers to understand how they can organize their store, their space, and the experience with the consumers, depending on, again, the category and the, the, the space they live in and so on. The idea, the original idea from us and from Westfield, we were actually thinking the same, uh, uh, great buying things alike, uh, even if we had no contact or no relationship at the beginning, was traditional retailers um, have mostly forecasted and planned for their future stock, their future collection, their future their future display and so on, based on uh, EPOS sales, so based on transactions, based on historic historical sales. So looking at the past instead of looking at the future. So the simple concept was, what if uh, a retailer and a store could actually um, plan their uh, stock, their assortment and so on, not based on or not only based on what was purchased in the past, but also based on what consumer will want to buy in the future. So, and where to find that information? Certainly you don't find that information from historical sales or, you know, buying, doing very extensive, time-consuming and very expensive market research, but you can actually get it out of what people are talking about in social media. So what we did with, uh, with Westfield was actually to go and analyze what were the most recent emerging trends um, from a fashion perspective in terms of uh, clothing, in terms of wearing, in terms of colors, in terms of styles of clothing 
that uh, could actually be very um, inspiring for consumers walking into a store in a specific time of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the first week of uh, July. Obviously, there are some, uh, um, some practical challenges that you cannot actually look at the trend or the, the, the news from the day before and manage and, and plan your store based on what happened the day before for obvious uh, technical reasons. Um, so what we, we did was actually to take um, trends that were uh, pretty robust in terms of their, uh, in terms of their um, interest to the, or appeal to the consumer for the past uh, three to six months. Uh, and therefore we gave to um, Westfield um, five or six different trends, fashion trends related uh, to the past five, six months that had a projection curve for, um, for the period of the store and for the future months uh, that was growing um, so that uh, could actually give a good uh, chance that uh, the product that they were going to be displayed and sold in store uh, were going to be appealing to the consumer. And, that, and the other thing we did was for just only one trend that was um, presented in store, we took um, the latest news from the past few days. Uh, we really uh, created and, and put together a live trend uh, that uh, um, was uh, was something that uh, was related to some kind of uh, event or things that were happening or had happened a few Ho- days before. Hopefully not Brexit. <laughs> no, well... <laughs> the Brexit trend. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- th- there is also the Brexit trend. In our case, because uh, we were really in the... Uh, during the Wimbledon mm-hmm. tournament, I cannot mention the celebrity, but eventually a celebrity went to see a match uh, at Wimbledon wearing a certain style of, uh, of clothing. And that generated high interest in social mm-hmm. media. And therefore, uh, we reported back to uh, Westfield uh, that, uh, that event and that uh, aspect and that style. And so Westfield then did work with their stylist to go and fetch the uh, f- across different brands within within Westfield, the, the brands that had that, that style on sale. Fantastic. And that was presented in the store. And that was a huge success. Mm-hmm. And I had a great res- resonance for, for the consumer that um, visited. The, the concept was so innovative that uh, I think took um, shoppers for, uh, by surprise. Mm-hmm. They were quite surprised to see what was there. And, um, and this is one of the things that uh, need to be bear, uh, bear in mind by a brand, um, that uh, when you take consumer by surprise, it takes a little while for consumer to really digest mm. and understand what the idea is behind and really get in and embrace it. But tomorrow a retailer or a brand decided to use the same concept mm. of Westfield, i.e. by driving their assortment, their trend, their style and, and their collections based on live trends rather than based mm-hmm. only on, on transactions. Um, they need also to promote that with their consumers, making clear why they're doing that and why and where, where is the idea coming from, which is you know, it's coming from the consumer. You ask for it, we are giving it to you. Um, so that there is a clear preparation from a media perspective uh, that uh, consumers know what they are going to look for and what they are going to get. Uh, out of a certain so, so almost immediately I'm thinking you know retailers could tap into next atlas you know insight data analysis and and as small 
changes could just do things like um, update the shop windows to Correct. reflect yeah. you know, what, what, what consumers are actually talking about, what they want. Yeah, exactly. And um, you, you could actually plan it, uh, plan it in uh, different levels. Mm -hmm. So basically, every single component of the store could be designed or driven or influenced by an Xtatas data. Uh, as you mentioned, um, it could be just a, a window display. Uh, it could be a single item so that the brand and the store show that uh, you know, they are at the forefront from an innovation and, um, and trend perspective. Um, going backwards, they can use the data uh, to uh, proper plan uh, their assortment uh, for a longer period of time. Um, and even going further back, uh, they can actually use the data to design the next collection. Mm -hmm. So we are actually working with uh, a number of retailers uh, at the moment uh, really to see how our data could, uh, um, uh, could help them to decide what kind of style they are going to use for the next winter collection or the next summer collection and so on based on uh, uh, their positioning uh, as well as um, obviously there are, uh, the kind of style and design that they, um, they bring. So I can give you an example. Uh, if um, take Burberry um, versus, um, let's say, Marks and Spencer, okay? Bur Burberry will have and target a certain consumer group um, with a certain style, uh, with an element of tradition combined with a high element of innovation. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the choice of color or style that uh, Burberry will decide and plan for the next uh, uh, season um, will be based on a number of different criteria and parameters related to the target groups and also, obviously, their company uh, values and so on and so forth. Um, probably, what Marks & Spencer will do will be to follow Burberry probably with um, a 12 to 18 months delay. Mm. Yeah. And you will find similar style from, uh, from Marks & Spencer collection, which has been inspired by Burberry. With Next Atlas, doesn't matter if you're Marks & Spencer, Marks & Spencer or Burberry, you can actually understand what is going to be the relevant style that you may consider in the next six to 18 to 24 months, depending on your positioning and depending on where you play within the innovation pipeline. If you are very innovative, you need to be at the forefront and you really need to use the last trend, the last thing that came up. But if you are a follower, and there's nothing wrong being a follower, providing obviously your business is sound, you're not interested in the latest, latest one. You're probably interested in what happened 12, 12 months ago or 18 months ago. Now, traditional trend reports are not actually giving you that kind of breadth of, uh, of data and information, which we give through Next Atlas. It's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. So um, I suppose the, the last thing I'd love to touch upon, and, and I know that you'd mentioned it earlier, so I know that you saw it coming well before any of us, is um, pop-ups. 
and the kind of rise, the dramatic rise at the moment of pop-ups across all categories from, from food and beverage through to kind of what we'd call the traditional high street and pop-up stores, the idea of a market almost emerging. Do you, do you see that as one of the future ways that retailers can embrace a kind of new and changing society, the idea of a pop-up, a live pop-up experience? It goes back to the idea of um, uh, having or having and giving to the consumer uh, really a full 360 experience. Mm -hmm. What does pop-up do uh, are really uh, providing a full experience uh, which is totally sensorial mm -hmm. uh, on uh, color, smell, food, uh, smell, taste, uh, and all those kind of things. And also a good, a good way to interact and engage directly with consumers uh, with new offers without taking, uh, without taking a big risk. Mm -hmm. So why and where do pop-up come from? Uh, they, have, uh, come, they have come from the idea of um, uh, the emerging uh, uh, new brands mm -hmm. uh, and new style that um, um, are constantly appearing. So uh, the, um, uh, the pop-up element is one of the solutions or one of the elements that are derived um, by the um, proliferation of startups. And, and from being a way for startups to take a low risk in appearing and showing to the consumer what uh, is their idea, has almost become a kind of expected experience for consumers. And therefore, it is a trend uh, which is covering multiple categories, mm -hmm. from food to beauty and care mm -hmm. to fashion and so on, um, because has um, become uh, grounded into the consumer expectation and the consumer behavior uh, that is natural, that they want to, are more interested in what is new and, and what, what the, the curiosity element, rather than, you know, I perfectly know where, where I should go if I need to, bear, to buy a pair of trainers or a certain style or a certain food. Um, and, um, and so to keep alive the interest uh, is the idea of the pop-up. And pop-up within the same store, by the way, is, is a way for, for, for retailers to, um, to generate interest and engagement and experience and create movement within the uh, retailer itself. Mario Coletti, Managing Director of NetSatellist, thank you so much for being on the CSM Live podcast. We really appreciate it. What last thing would you like to leave our listeners with? Tough. <laughs> I'm just dropping keep, you in there. Right there. Yeah, keep, sharing, keep sharing your experiences in social media so we can, uh, we can actually continue to, um, to see what uh, are the new trends. Mm -hmm. I think uh, is, is, you, know, you, you started with the idea of uh, is it a minority report. Um, I think um, it, is, um, it is potentially providing that is used with all the right ways uh, from a, a security and ethical perspective. It, the, the, the space of social media is a great space to give directions to brands uh, and retailers uh, in what consumers want uh, to create a better offer and to create, therefore, a better supply chain overall. And this is not um, just um, a way to save uh, money. It's actually a way to be more sustainable and to be more um, conscious about the environment. Think about how much waste is generated 
by brands, by retailers and so on, simply because they don't have enough information or the right information about what consumer will consume tomorrow. And this is coming from the fact that uh, there are not enough information, but the more information are shared, mm. the better retailers can actually design an offer which has more, um, more chance to get out of the door of the store, mm. either offline or online, to be uh, purchased by, retail, by, by consumers and not to be wasted. Um, so it's, um, to us, it's very important that we continue working with the consumers and with the retailers to uh, create and generate something that um, can provide consumers with better experiences, product that they really want to buy, um, and, and obviously retailers with the same, uh, so that uh, that can also help um, in terms of environmental uh, and, so and, and, and um, uh, societal impact overall. From, for the economy. Thank you so much. It's great to speak to you. And I know we'll be getting you back. Thanks for having <laughs> me. Pleasure Thank to be you. with you.